0: Good morning everyone. It's good to have you here this morning. Currently we're looking at the three stages of spiritual growth as outlined for us in the Apostle John's first epistle in chapter 3 where he tells us that there are three stages of spiritual growth, little children, young men, and then spiritual fathers. And then he gives characteristics associated with each of those stages and that's what we're going through together. We're looking at again 1 John chapter 2. Let me read God's word for us as we consider how God wants us to grow and mature in Him. Hear now the Word of God. I am writing to you, little children, because your sins have been forgiven you for His name's sake. I'm writing to you, fathers, because you know Him who has been from the beginning. I'm writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I have written to you, children, because you know the Father. I have written to you, fathers, because you know him who has been from the beginning. I have written to you, young men, because you are strong, the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the evil one. That finishes the reading of God's holy and inspired word. Now again, using our natural development as individuals as an analogy of our spiritual development in Christ is actually perfect. We all start out our walks in Christ as little children, or as the Apostle Peter and Paul puts it, babes in Christ. And at that stage we have confidence that our sins have been forgiven, and we know God as our Heavenly Father. And as we grow in our faith, we become spiritual adolescents. We become, as the Apostle calls here, young men. And he associates characteristics with these young men. You are strong, the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the evil one. Now, of course, when the Apostle uses this phrase, young men, he's referring to all believers, male and female, He's actually referring to young adults, if you would, in Christ. And again, they are strong, abiding in the word of God, and overcoming the evil one. Now, the Apostle Paul refers to this spiritual progression in this way. When he writes, When I was a child, I used to speak like a child, think like a child, reason like a child... But when I became a man, I did away with childish things. As any parent of a high schooler or college age child knows, you can't wait for the day when your kids give up childish ways. So we see here, this actually happens to us spiritually. When we're young in the Lord, we have these childish behaviors, if you would, But we finally come to the point in our spiritual maturity where we give those things away. We rid ourselves of those things. See, young adults in Christ have sought for the power of the Holy Spirit to be able to discern good and evil, and they've sought to discover the things that benefit and or hinder their spiritual growth. They've considered their spiritual growth and their progression in their spiritual growth and that's what I want to challenge you with this morning that you would consider where you are in the progression and that you would be challenged to be able to move forward now the first characteristic that the Apostle attributes to young adults in Christ is that they are strong now strength is a characteristic that is often associated with youth young people can run faster jump higher They have more endurance than their elders. I've raised four boys and every one of them thought that they were stronger than me. Until I would show them that they weren't. Until the day came where I couldn't show them any longer. You know how it is, they always want to race to see who's fastest. They want to play a game of basketball. They want to play a game of soccer. They want to get over on the old man. Yeah, and you teach them a lesson every time of who the boss is. Until it comes to that day when they finally win the game. They finally win the race. And you know that you are now officially the old man. There is a reason why the armed forces don't uh, recruit 50-year-olds. There's a reason why the armed forces recruit 20-year-olds. So let me ask you a question. If a young person signed on the bottom line for the armed forces, what's going to happen next? What does that individual know is imminently going to happen to them? That they get to go back home and be a couch potato and live off their parents' refrigerator? No. They go to boot camp. They go to basic training. Why is that? Because the, the military wants to take their youthful strength and they want to build upon it and they want to harness it for the advancement of the cause. So likewise, the Holy Spirit, who is the divine recruiter, wants to enlist you into the Lord's army. He wants to take your youthful strength, build upon it, harness it for the advancement of God's kingdom in you and through you. Now I love this definition of strong in the original language. It is one who has strength of soul to sustain attacks. One who has strength of soul To sustain attacks. You see, the strength that the apostle is referring to here is not physical strength, but rather spiritual strength to combat spiritual attacks. And we all will experience spiritual attacks throughout our Christian walks. And we have to learn how to be strong, how to have this strength of soul, if you would. Now, you don't hear much about spiritual warfare in the church today. You don't hear much about spiritual attacks. But the Bible actually identifies three enemies that wage war against our souls. Three enemies that wage war against our souls. That is, the devil, the world, and our own flesh. In reference to the attacks from the devil... The Apostle Peter tells us to be sober-minded and be watchful. For our adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. In reference to the attacks from the world, the Apostle John writes, All that is in the world, that is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life, these are not from the Father, but these are from the world. So, basically, the attacks from the world would be the lust of our flesh, the lust of our eyes, and the boastful pride of life. Now, in reference to the attacks from our own flesh, the Apostle Paul tells us that those who belong in Christ, those who belong to Christ, have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires if we live by the Spirit we must also walk by the Spirit. Amen? The point is, is that a young adult in Christ, they're strong. They have matured in their faith to develop this strength of soul to sustain attacks. Now, we don't attain this strength of soul to sustain these attacks by having confidence in ourselves, but rather by placing our confidence in Christ and in his strength. As the psalmist says, the Lord will give strength to his people. It's a promise. The, The prophet Jeremiah said, O Lord, my strength and my stronghold, my refuge in time of distress. The Lord told the prophet Isaiah that those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. The apostle tells us that the Lord is faithful and that he will strengthen and protect us from the evil one. And he continues saying, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has strengthened me. Therefore, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. So a young adult in Christ has moved beyond themselves to realize that they do not have the strength to be able to sustain themselves during these attacks. But the Lord has promised over and over in His word to give strength to those who cry out to Him in weakness. A young person in Christ understands, I will call upon the Lord, who will be my strength." Even though I am weak, He will make me strong. Amen? Now the second characteristic of a young adult in Christ is that the Word of God abides in them. And I'm not going to spend too much time on this topic this morning since I preached on this a couple of weeks ago when I challenge you to go deeper in your understanding of the Word of God. It seems, though, here the Apostle is saying that the Word of God is something that they abide in, and this idea that they're in the pool. The Word of God is surrounding them on every level. I want to remind you, because sometimes sheep um, have poor memories, of some of the things that I encouraged you a few weeks ago to incorporate into your life when it comes to the Word of God. Number one, something that was told to me years ago. No Bible, no breakfast. No Bible, no breakfast. Now that one gets your attention. Because I'm not going to have my Cheerios until I read the Bible. No Bible, no breakfast. Other ways I challenge you is I will listen to the Bible as I drive to work. The others, I will memorize so many verses of the Bible each week. Another is I will ask a mature believer to meet with me for discipleship. The others, I will join a Bible study. And this last one, I will write out my, my growth objectives in Christ on a 3 by 5 card, and I will give it to a mature believer, a friend, and ask that person to keep me accountable to these things. Because I want to abide in the Word of God. I want to grow in the Word of God. Remember that one of the main differences between a babe and Christ... And a young man or young person in Christ is that a young man quits drinking the milk of the word and starts consuming the meat of the word. As newborn babes, the apostle tells us, we long for the spiritual milk of the word so that we might grow in respect to our salvation. But we need more than that if we're truly going to make a progression into being A spiritual adolescent. We need a more substantial diet. What I mean is that when you're first a believer, you're just excited to hear the Bible stories. Seems like they're new and fresh. Hearing how God delivered the children of Israel out of Egypt hearing how God was with them during the wilderness and all the miracles that he performed within the Old Testament. And then we jump to the New Testament and, and seeing Jesus and, and his teachings and, and his instructions to his disciples. And, and, and even as we look at the early church and, and how these new believers were truly committed to Christ. And we hear these stories and they're, they're really exciting to us, but we have to move beyond the stories. And we have to start asking, what redemptive significance do these stories have upon my life? How do these stories truly point to me, Jesus Christ? We have to come to a place in our spiritual lives where we allow the Word of God to do spiritual surgery on our hearts. We allow Him to to judge our thoughts and intentions as we read God's Word and as we hear it preached and taught. Now, we know that all Scripture is profitable for teaching, but we come to the point where we desire the Word of God to reprove, to correct, and to train us in righteousness. We want the Word of God to abide in us and, and really develop us into a follower of Christ. We no longer want to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine. But we want to grow in all aspects unto Christ. We want to be spiritually mature, growing in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. We want to obtain the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. We want to be filled with the knowledge of His will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding so that we will be able to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, to please Him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. Now, I didn't come up with those things. Each one of those is in the Bible. And they're in the Bible because that's what God desires of you. That you would grow and mature and really desire to abide in the Word of God. You come to the place in your faith that you realize that only, only the Word of God can restore your soul. Only the Word of God makes the simple wise. Only the Word of God rejoices the heart. You look to the Word of God to enlighten your eyes because only the Word of God is clean, true, and righteous altogether. Amen? You come to the place in your life, in in your Christian walk, where you desire the Word of God more than gold, yes, much more than fine gold, where you realize that the Word of God is sweeter, sweeter than the honey in the honeycomb. That's what it means to make a transition From a babe in Christ to a young man in Christ. You abide in the word of God. You come to the place in your Christian maturity that you understand that through the word of God, you are warned. And through the word of God, you are rewarded. This is what it means to be a young adult in Christ. The third characteristic of a young adult in Christ is that they overcome the evil one. Now, as I mentioned earlier, the Bible identifies three enemies that wages war against the believer. The devil, the world, and our own flesh. Now, the problem is that today only half of people believe in the existence of The evil one. Only half people believe in the existence of Satan, or he's also called the devil. And the majority of people believe that the Bible only uses Satan as a symbol of evil, not the evil one. But no matter what public opinion says, I believe the Bible. And the Bible tells us that the evil one exists. We see him in the early pages of the Bible in the garden. We see him in the first historical written book of the Bible, the book of Job. We see him at the temptation of Christ. And we see him mentioned in most of the books of the New Testament. That's a lot of biblical evidence of the fact that the evil one actually exists. Let me just say, he is totally happy. He is giggling. Or as Pelosi would say, having a giggly fit. If you think he doesn't exist. If you think he's just a symbol. Because you won't be on guard. Now, I want to tell you that I personally believe that the biggest obstacle that a believer has in overcoming the evil one is truly focusing in on the tendencies of their own flesh. But, the fact is, I do believe in the existence of Satan and I do believe that the Bible teaches that he desires to see you fall into sin. Let me just quickly explain how the evil one works so that you might be able to have some form of defense so that you might overcome him. The Bible identifies him as the prince of the power of the air. That means that he's the spirit that works in the sons of disobedience in this present world. Basically, the idea is that Satan sets the stage of suggestion that prompts us to indulge in desires of our flesh and of our mind. So we have to be honest. The decision to indulge in sin is our own. The devil doesn't make us do it, but Satan does set the stage of suggestion. That's why the Apostle Peter tells us that we should be sober spirit, be of sober spirit, because we can become intoxicated with these suggestions of sin. The The suggestion of sin, we start drinking from it and we become intoxicated by it. Remember that the Apostle James teaches us that each one of us are tempted when he's carried away and enticed by his own desires. So we see Satan might set the stage of suggestion, but you and I are the ones who walk out on it and indulge in our fleshly desires. So how do we overcome it? Well, let me just give you a, a few suggestions that that the Lord himself offers to us in his word. First of all, we overcome the evil one by first understanding that Jesus Christ has rendered him powerless by triumphing over him in the cross. What that means is that when Christ Jesus finished the work of redemption upon the cross, that that Satan became powerless against him. Christ has defeated Satan. Christ has defeated all of his and our enemies. And if we want to overcome the evil one, we have to understand that he is powerless. Secondly, we overcome the evil one by understanding that greater is he that is in me than he who is in the world. So it works like this. Let's work through the logic. Christ is greater than Satan... Christ is in me; therefore, greater is Christ in me than he who is in the world. I've told the story before, and a few years ago, we we're walking across the countryside down in Haiti, and had a few of my neighborhood buddies, boys, with me, and we. And the uh, voodooism believes that the evil spirits reside in the biggest trees in the in the in the villages. And so we came across this large tree, and you could see it along the roots or the bottom of the tree, we'd see artifacts and sacrifices and candles and, and such offerings being made to the evil spirits to appease them so that they would not um, hurt anyone in the community. And so when we got closer to the tree, the, the boys were like, oh, just stay away, stay away. And I asked them why, and they told me basically what I just told you. And if you excuse me, I go... Greater is Christ in me than he is in the world. And those boys' eyes, I got really big, and they all go. Pff, 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 pff. <laughs> <laughs> Thirdly, we overcome the evil one by not being ignorant of his schemes and strategies. Listen, you might be an expert about other people's weaknesses. (laughs) But it's better for you to consider your own tendencies and your own weaknesses. Because he will use these tendencies and these weaknesses to develop schemes and strategies. You have to purposely avoid certain things because you know that it's not good for you. Other people can do the same exact thing, but you can't do it because it's not good for you. And sometimes it comes down to the most simple things that you go the long way home because you know that you are going to be tempted if you go down that road. Because of the things on that road. You don't listen to certain things. You don't watch certain things. You don't do certain things. You don't participate in certain things. Not necessarily that any of those things are bad in themselves, but it's bad for you. And therefore, I overcome the evil one by, by never even allow him to set the stage of suggestion in my life. Fourthly, is we overcome the evil one by understanding that he is not all-powerful, he is not all-knowing, and he is not everywhere at the same time. Satan is a second-rate fallen angel. And these attributes that I just mentioned, they belong to God. And to God alone. And should never be attributed To Satan. Brothers and sisters, Satan doesn't know what you're thinking. He doesn't know what you're feeling. He's not all powerful. And he's not always hanging around. The Bible tells us that young men in Christ, they overcome the evil one. And this word overcome is used, I, w- I, I forgot to write it in my notes, but it's something like 25 or so times by the, by the Apostle John in his epistles and in the book of Revelation. And it's only used maybe two or three times in the rest of the New Testament. <laughs> this is a big deal for the, Apostle, for the Apostle John. He considers this as a real threshold for a person's spiritual development, that they are overcomers. Now, we are overcomers because we have trained our senses through trial and error to discern what is good and what is evil. Young men in Christ, they overcome the evil one by taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Young men in Christ overcome the evil one by being ready to put every thought into subjection to God's word so that they would be obedient for the purposes of God. Young men in Christ overcome the evil one by utilizing all the divinely powerful weaponry given to us from Christ to foil all of Satan's schemes and to extinguish all the attacks of the evil one. Young men in Christ are mature enough to know that the temptation that they're experiencing is not unique. I've heard it a thousand times. Well, Pastor, you don't know what I'm going through. You don't know how I was raised. You don't know how this was. I, you know this. I was. I, you know it's 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 a guy thing, right? It's me. No, brother, it's not you. There's not a temptation that is unique to any of us. You are not on the unique block when it comes to temptation. The Bible tells us that everyone, that believers all over the world are overcoming the same temptation that you're experiencing right now. You need to know that Jesus himself was tempted in all ways like you are. Every way that you're tempted, Jesus was tempted, yet without sin. Therefore, he sympathizes with our weakness and he calls us to draw near to him with confidence so that we might receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Mature believers know that with every temptation, God has already provided a way of an escape. And he's done this so that we'd be able to endure under it and really, really seek for his strength. You see, young men in Christ overcome the evil one. As we conclude this morning, there are three words that stand out as we look at the characteristic of being a young adult in Christ. Strong, abide, Overcome. Let's say them together. Strong, abide, overcome. That's what God wants to develop in you. He wants to really work in your heart so that you would seek the strength of the Lord and the power of His might. That you would admit your weakness and really look for His strength that you will do away with worldly philosophies and superstitions and ways of thinking and that you would plunge yourself into the Word of God. If you're going through depression, you seek what the Word of God says about it. If you're going through financial hardship, you find out what the Word of God says about it. You're going through a relationship problem, you find out what the Word of God says about it. And if you don't know how to find out what the Word of God says about it, you go to an older brother and sister and you ask them for help. Because I'm telling you, there is anything you are going through, the Bible has already told you how to deal with it. If you will abide in the Word of God need to overcome the evil one. And listen, the evil one comes in many fashions. We're attacked in so many ways. But we really have to have the mindset that that through Christ I can overcome this. I can overcome the attacks that are upon my soul right now. I, I just in closing want to remind you that you know, it seems to me that Jesus, in his temptation experience, exemplifies these things. As you recall, the Bible tells us that after Jesus' baptism, that the Spirit led him into the wilderness. And the scripture actually says in Matthew's gospel and Luke's gospel, that the Spirit led him into the wilderness, knowing that he is going to be tempted by the devil. Now, after he fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, guess what type of physical condition Jesus was experiencing? Well, first of all, we know he was hungry. And secondly, he was probably physically drained. But here we see that Jesus really applies what I've been trying to teach you this morning. I'm not going to go through the story, but you can read it for yourself. I noted the verses in your worship guide But first, I want you to see that Jesus stood firm in his faith during this time of personal weakness. He stood firm. He sought the strength of God during a time of personal weakness. Secondly, he spoke the word of God against each temptation that came to him. He abided in the word. And lastly, he commanded Satan to be gone and therefore overcoming the evil one. This morning I want to challenge you to grow in your faith in Christ, to really seek the strength of the Lord during times of personal weakness. I want to challenge you to grow in the knowledge of God's word so that you can use it as a sword against the spiritual attacks on your life. I want you to challenge you to overcome the evil one by commanding whatever is attacking you today to be gone in the name of Jesus. As Jesus says, Satan, get behind me. And there's something in your life right now that's taking your strength away. That's robbing the word of God from you. That's making you feel defeated in the Lord. And you need to say to that thing, I don't care what it is. You need to say to that thing, be gone in the name of Jesus. Get out of here. Scram, Sam. Overcome the evil one. Brothers and sisters, God promises in his word that these things can become realities in our life. We can be strong. We can abide in the Word. We can overcome if we truly just surrender ourselves to Jesus Christ. So let's do that this morning. Let's pray. Lord God, we come to You today as Your children, asking You, Lord, to minister to our hearts and lives. We come to You, Lord, asking You for Your strength. Lord, we are weak We are weak. We do not have the personal strength to overcome the things in our lives. And Lord, we come to you and confess our weakness to you and ask you, Lord, to give us the strength of your power and the power of your might. Lord, as the call to worship told us, you stand on the right hand of the needy ones. And so, Lord, today I reach out to you confessing I am needy and ask you to give me strength. Lord, have me to be done with lesser things, lesser ways of thinking, worldly philosophies, worldly mindsets, superstitions. Have me do away with these things, and Lord, plunge me into your word. Give me the courage, Lord, to reach out to others so that I might learn your word better. Lord, help me to implement the things that I know I need to do so that I could truly abide in your word. Lord, help me to study your word, especially in the areas of my life that I'm, that I'm struggling in right now, Lord. Lord, I come to you and ask you to minister to me so that we together might be able to overcome the evil one. That we would be overcomers. Satan, be gone. We pray these prayers in Jesus' name. Amen.